This is Beer Prime, episode 51, featuring Andy Hipwell from Ampersand Brewery in Norfolk. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Beer Prime. Thanks for joining me again, and today I'm joined by Andy Hipwell, the co-owner and co-founder of Norfolk's Ampersand Bruco. We'll be talking about how they started, their move from the family farm to the outskirts of Norfolk market town Dis, mixed firm beers, reverse osmosis water systems, home brewing, brew IPAs, and how it is to challenge the local dominance of Green King, Adnams and Woodfords. Uh, but we haven't had a beer news story for a while, so let's look at an interesting beer-related story. Anspach and Hobday to host an opera about beer at their Bermondsey taproom. It's called Bess, Water, Rye and Hops, and is produced by Infinite Opera as part of Tete Tete's The Opera Festival. The opera tells the story of Bess, a female Brewster from Middle Ages who struggles with accusations of witchcraft and murder, whilst the Black Death wreaks havoc around her. Expect a black comedy involving feminist activism, rhyming couplets, and the unpredictable effects that a single beer can create. And to celebrate the event, Anspach and Hobday have brewed a special beer named Bess, a smooth pale ale with a fruity palate and a crisp, refreshing finish, hopped with Amarillo, Centennial, Citra, Columbus and Laurel. The beer weighs in at 4% ABV. The event is on Wednesday 24th of August at 7pm and tickets are available from TicketSource or you can just follow the link from the brewery's website. Okay, so uh, I went to Colchester last Saturday as part of a weekend visiting my parents who live nearby. We were in Colchester during the day for a bit of shopping, and when the planning was being made for the day, I heard the words Primark, TK Maxx, and M&S, and I knew that I had to find some places to drink a few beers and while away the couple of hours while my family shopped. I asked about on Twitter for some suggestions and was given several good ones by Beer O'Clock Show legends Steve and Martin. Heeding their advice, but being a little constrained on time, I headed to Other Monkey Brewing's taproom and had a taste of flight of three lovely beers, including a really good Vienna Lager. Then on to Queen Street Brewhouse for a quick half of an IPA from Southampton's Tappet Brewery. Then finally stopping at Two Brews' new site on Church Street, where I had a lovely Shawshot West Coast IPA and then spied the holy grail of Imperial Stouts, an Emperor's Brewery collab beer on draft. This was their collab with Heist, called Rumthing Rumthing Darkside, and as the name suggests, it's been aged in rum barrels. Gorgeous notes of rum came through, but certainly didn't swamp the salted caramel flavour. I picked up a couple of cans to take away, and as I was leaving, bumped into another giant of the beer podcast world, Steve from This Week in Craft Beer. 
Unfortunately, I didn't get time to get to the Victoria Inn, but it just means that I need to get back to Colchester another time soon and rectify that. Right, okay, let's get on and welcome my guest for this episode. It's Andy Hipwell from Norfolk's Ampersand Bruco. Hi, Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Very good. Excellent. Thanks very much uh, for chatting with me today. Um, looking forward to drinking some of your beers and uh, and finding out a little bit more about Ampersand. Um, now, I did say at the beginning there that you're from Norfolk and you're from South Norfolk. And I've already upset a few um, of your locals uh, a few couple, about a month or so ago by saying that you're in Suffolk. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of people on Twitter were uh, quite, um, uh, yeah, quite polite in their in, <laughs> in their corrections. Um, but it's you're really close to Suffolk as well, though, aren't you? Uh, we are. The, the brewery site we're on at the moment, we're only about five, six hundred metres away from uh, where the River Waveney um, goes through this and, and the other side of that is Suffolk and just to really confuse matters the farm we started on which is the farm I grew up on uh, is also in South Norfolk and is a little further away from the from the border but it has a Suffolk postcode or Suffolk postal address Norfolk postcode Suffolk postal address so right. right from the beginning we've been classified as Suffolk by people uh, some people take great offense to that others don't really care um, we try and pitch ourselves as a, a Waveney Valley brewery. Um, for those who don't know, the Waveney Valley is, is a part of Norfolk and or South Norfolk and, and North Suffolk that runs from uh, Lower Stoft in the east all the way through past uh, this where we are now. It's uh, a nice, lovely little valley with lots of market towns on both sides of, of the border. Um, very big independent food and drink scene, particularly food. Lots of local farms doing interesting stuff award-winning cheesemakers, award-winning vineyards. Um, so it's quite a cool place to, to be part of that scene. So, yeah, we, we don't see ourselves as as out-and-out out Norfolk or, or or Suffolk. We are Waveney Valley Brewery. Right. Okay. Fantastic. So I was, I was nearly right then. <laughs> not, not far off at all. Right. Okay. So uh, I see you've got a beer in hand. So I'm going to join you. And I'm going to uh, start with uh, Jib. Jibe. 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 It's, right. it's, it's a sailing term. Right. Okay. No worries. Uh, I'm not much of a sailor. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I will start with Jibe. So Jibe is a 4% hazy pale. Uh, tell me a little bit about this beer. Yeah, this is, it's a, it's a slight um, adaption on a recipe we did a few years ago. And we basically tasked our, Brewer Pip, who joined us relatively recently, just to tweak it a bit, um, with the main intention of, of making a proper, sessionable, 4% juicy pale ale that is equally at home in cask as it is in um, keg and can. So the, the iteration before was a little thicker, a little heavier, and it didn't quite um, translate well to cask. So what we were looking for is something that would go into cask as a nice hazy beer and, and not be too heavy so something you could drink pint after pint of and um, this was a, a first release of it since we retweaked it and it's already pretty much all gone and, and scheduled to be rebrewed uh, in a couple of weeks time nice excellent main focus on hops is is a zaka and comet and then we've also got a bit of simcoe in there 
we think Azaka and, and Comet are, are two hops that aren't really shouted about that much and actually um, bring quite a lot to these this sort of modern style citrusy beers. Yeah, you see everything with Citroen, don't you, to, and uh, and Cascade. Uh, so let's get uh, started on um, talking about the brewery and about how you all started. Because I know it's a family affair. Your um, your father Adrian and your wife Amy both involved. So how did it? How did you decide to start up a brewery? Uh, so I've been homebrewing. I had been homebrewing for quite quite a few years at the time, and, and so had my my dad. And we had discussed setting a brewery up, and it never really felt like something or the right time or or something we wanted to do in the current market or climate of beer in in the region. There's also the fact that it's a bit of a big step giving up a job and and starting a new business and then in 2016 i probably started just before that my my dad started a vineyard with a winemaker and his partner um, and they basically planted vines and set up a, a vineyard which is flint vineyard which is, is incredible incredible vineyard and they set it up on the family farm where i grew up and as part of that they converted some of the buildings and there then was a series of of buildings that were just user store sheds really on the farm that needed a bit of love and attention and they were looking for something to to happen there and it was broached again to me that maybe now was a, a better time to start start a brewery and with the vineyard already being on site there was quite a lot of stuff we could share so forklifts and cold stores so we then spent 2016 and had another look at it in the meantime obviously the beer world was changing pretty rapidly and, and the sort of beers we wanted to make and I was drinking at the time were becoming a bit more um, established in the in the area. East Anglia is a very much a cask stronghold and, and at the time was very traditional cask. Yeah. You're drinking IPA, your Adnams, Southwold Bitter and your Woodford's Wherry and there wasn't a lot else uh, you could you could sort of get your hands on or, or sell. So it was a bit of a uh, the, the sort of timing of that the timing of of the units on the farm becoming available and we just decided to to give it a go as you do wrote a business plan and then by december of 2016 i think we we decided we'd, we'd been taking some beers to to local pubs without really telling them what we were doing and the feedback had been really good uh so we put planning application in for the units still sort of I'm in an hour and whether it was the right thing to do the, the planning came back fairly quickly and the council were really positive about the change so we then put an order in for some some brewery kit wow. and this was myself and my wife and then my dad in as a as a partner and he did a lot of the um the initial setting up of the brewery so we funded it all ourselves did it on um or did a lot of the work ourselves to keep the cost down but we also made the decision to run it part time for the the sort of startup, so we could not um, or we didn't have to draw salaries out of the business. So for the first, so we set up, we started brewing in May 2017, and and for the first year, myself and my my wife and with help from friends and my dad and my mum, we basically brewed beer weekends and evenings and ploughed everything we made back into the brewery, buying new tanks, new equipment, and then in 2018, both myself 
and then slightly later in the year my wife went went full-time at the brewery and then since then it's it's sort of been mad growth really yeah I can see and um, you know as you said that was starting um off and that was at the the family farm was it Camp Hill Farm oh, yeah Camp Hill Farm yeah and as you say you've um you've moved out of there um since since the well I think last year into where you currently are in this um in Sawmills Road so I mean that must be was it like a, a, a quite a much bigger site that you moved to from from the farm? Yeah, we, we by the time we left the farm, we we're about 100 um, square meters of floor space. Uh, but some of it wasn't massively usable. A lot of thin, narrow buildings where we couldn't use a lot of the space. Where we've gone to now is a it was a snooker hall, a snooker club. Okay, but it's uh, an industrial type unit. And it's that's 700, just over 700 square meters. So it's seven times the size, basically, wow. but a lot more height, a lot squarer buildings, a lot more usable space. Um, but we, we we got to early or late 2019, we'd outgrown the farm, really. And we started, or we'd started already a bit before looking for units. And it, it wasn't very easy where we are. There's not a lot of units our size. They're either huge or they're, or they're too small. And then this unit came up for sale in 2020 or came on the market and we had just scheduled to go look around it and then COVID hit and we thought we'd dodged a bit of a bullet thinking we don't want a big unit when everything's up in the air. But by yeah. um, by the middle end of the summer, we were so flat out of the farm and again at capacity that we went back and approached them again about uh, putting planning permission in and, and, and putting an offer in. And yeah, it sort of snowballed from there. It did take a little bit of time because we had to get a, a change of use agreement on the building before we could take it on. Uh, yeah. So that process started, uh, I think, September, October, and then of, of 2020. And then we got the keys the end of February 21. Okay. Um, already had two new tanks ready to go straight into it, as we'd, uh, which we couldn't quite fit in. We, we brought them thinking we'd put one in the farm in the autumn to tie us over and, and the second one ready for the new unit. And when they both arrived, we just couldn't quite get them to fit at the farm. So we had to, we had to put them into storage and make do with, with what we had. So that's where the uh, the high ceilings of the uh, uh, snooker club come in handy then? Yes, definitely. Uh, we can get <laughs> a lot bigger. The, at the farm, it was it was very tight. It was a, it's a little single story, um, traditional, what I'll call a traditional sort of East Anglian brick um, barns. I think they used to have cows in at one point and and then when we had the farm, they were basically store sheds and they're say, single story pitched roofs, lots of beams in the way. Mm. Um, not not the, the most usable of spaces, but they were, you know, for, for a brewery starting up, they allowed us with fairly minimal overheads to to get started and to, to reinvest money back into equipment and and um, more tanks, etc. Yeah. Um, but you still use it, don't you, as a barrel store? Yeah, so when we moved the brewery last year, we've kept the, the buildings on um, for the time being until we get booted out by the vineyard, which are growing. But we've kept them as a, a barrel store for mixed firm beers. We started doing some mixed firm in 2018 with in collaboration with All Day Brewing and Blending, which are based uh, north of Norwich, so north Norfolk. Mm as a bit of a, a sort of love project, but didn't really want to mix the mix firm with our clean beers. So we did it on their site, harvested yeast, 
from the vineyard and around the brewery and the farm and, and blended it with them. And that sort of started a bit of a passion for the mixed firm beers, which we kept ticking along. And then when we moved out, we already had started um, filling barrels with beer. We had a few tucked away that we sort of decided we, we could risk a little bit and, and, and hide away in parts of the farm we weren't using. And then once we moved out, we've now got, I think we've got about 14, 15 barrels filled currently. We have packaged some of them and we've got some more ready to fill. But the plan is to uh, expand that and fill about somewhere between 40 and 60 barrels with, with mixed fermentation beer. And we're currently sourcing all the barrels from the vineyard. So they're nice uh, Norfolk wine barrels which start off um in Beaujolais and they import over to make their wine and then once they're finished with them we're going to take them on so it's just quite a nice a nice tie up and it's something we're you know we're not doing it to make any money out of it it's really a bit of a passion project for myself um some of the other staff who work for us Craig is is, is really into his mix firm and I'll brew a bit so between us it gives us something interesting to do Excellent. Uh, well, we're going to try one of the mixed firm beers uh, a little bit later um, after we've got through uh, this one. So what we'll do is we'll come back onto onto the mixed firm um, when we when we open that one. But you you mentioned about brewing. So obviously, you, as you said, you'd started up because you've been doing some home brewing uh, with your you know now that you've been going for for several years. Do you still do a lot of the brewing? Uh, I don't do as much as I'd probably like to. Running one of the things no, no one tells you when you start a, brewery, a business up and particularly a brewery is the amount of paperwork you have to do um but I still brewed a couple of times this week brew was away for a few days I, I do still keep my hand in a bit but a lot of what I do now is is on the operational side making sure we've got enough malt hops planning the brew schedules but it still means get stuck in a lot of the packaging when we're canning, et cetera, getting involved in that. Um, but it's something, the sort of recipe development side of it, I still do quite a bit of and something I, I always want to keep my hand in doing it. I don't want to just become a back in the office because that's one of the reasons I, I quit my previous job. So Yeah, you don't want to come full circle back to sort of being uh, in a position that, that you're not happy. So it as you say it makes perfect sense to uh, to keep your hand in definitely definitely um we've we've got a pilot uh, a one barrel pilot brew kit that we've had a few months now and i quite like getting that out every couple of weeks and doing something on that we have a schedule of um of beers we want to make on that either new recipes or or tweaks so it's quite nice um getting my hands on that and running running that uh but i don't do any homebrew anymore <laughs> that definitely went out of the window um <laughs> i do get asked that a few quite a bit whether i still homebrew but it's um once you i've what well, my personal view was once we started brewing on a commercial scale it's very difficult to go back i'd miss the drain floors the hoses the yeah and i guess homebrewing is a hobby isn't it and people do it to varying different degrees of competency and professionalism even on the home brewing side of things you know even the, even when they are essentially amateur so once you actually make that move to professional what's the point of home brewing as you say you've got a little pilot kit so you know that's your avenue into just making a few experiments and seeing what you can come up with to to, to upscale if it if it works yeah absolutely it's that keeps uh, the interest going 
um yeah you don't if we're making we're brewing well three to five times a week at the moment on our 10 hectare kit so there's, there's plenty of brewing going on i don't think i need to do it on a saturday or, or sunday in the garage to um to get my fix anymore so yeah yeah but it's, it's still it's still something um I, I did i used to obviously enjoy it otherwise i wouldn't be have a brewery and it's something we still encourage we have a homebrew club that operates out of the tap room once a month um Stu, who runs our tap room is a very avid home brewer and brewer and him and um some locals started a homebrew club and that's um starting to become fairly popular so we, we try to support that we've also got i think the anger homebrew club are operating a competition out of the brewery later in the year we've agreed to let them use the space so we do want to encourage homebrew brewing is a great hobby and the, the more people we sort of encourage to do it hopefully it then opens people's eyes to, to different beers other than macro beers and and um keep everybody happy yeah um and i speak to uh, so many people that um you know had uh, you know their origins like you homebrewing um so you know it is an important some people i guess will still just do it and just decide this is where I'm at. This is what I want to do. Just homebrew, just keep it homebrew, maybe enter some competitions. But others, you know, it is, I guess, the the kind of catalyst to to go in pro. Um, so it's good to see lots of, um, you know, I spoke to Fraser and Sam from Middle Child um, a few episodes ago who um, who followed the route of Andy Parker at Elusive and you know, so many people that were, you know, great homebrewers that have, uh, you know, th- then now become professional breweries. So it's brilliant to see. Yeah, um, Andy Parker was one of the reasons we actually, when we were deciding whether we could do a brewery or not, it was, he blogged about setting up the brewery. It was about a year ahead of us, I think. And reading those blogs really spurred us on to to give it a go. And he also is very kind that um, I did badge him with a few emails while we were setting up and he very kindly answered a lot of my questions. So, you know, it's, that that is definitely something that sort of inspired us to do to do the brewery that it is it is possible yeah excellent okay um let's go and grab the mixed phone beer shall we yeah let's go do that on cracking the bottle uh open you're just getting that aroma come straight out that unmistakable funkiness of uh of a mixed firm so, uh, so this one's called Farmhand, 7.7%. I noticed you also do a Farmhand Blush. Yeah. Um, which is, a, I think, slightly slightly higher, 8%, and is a, a cherry mix foam beer as well. Interesting. So last year when we were moving out the farm, or just before, we, we've got a beer called Farmhand, which is a Saison. It's a, a green tin grapefruit saison it was the second commercial beer we brewed, brewed on the big kit when we started and we rebrewed it as one of the last beers we brewed at the farm before we moved all the equipment and we took two barrels worth of the work and put them into one into a white wine so uh, this was in a Bacchus wine barrel from the vineyard freshly emptied and or freshly uh, emptied from wine and then the second lot went into a Pinot Noir barrel from the vineyard. And to that one, we added some uh, concentrated cherry uh, juice. Not heaps, but just enough. We wanted to give it a little bit of colour and a little bit of sharpness and just to see how that reacted with the, the red wine barrel. And then into that, we pitched our our house blend of, of yeast, which we've 
harvested and cultivated from the farm for a few years so we set yeast traps out um the farm's got obviously the vineyards and the vines running down on the fields but we also trapped around the apple trees in the garden and around the brewery and from that we've we've blended and got ourselves um our own yeast so we pitched that into both the barrels and then we left them there for just over six months to ferment in the farm and then we package this before i think in either september october uh, before christmas and then it sat in the bottles partly to condition and partly because we were so busy that we didn't get around to getting the labels and artwork done and put on the bottles <laughs> excellent well it's, it's really really lovely um and i know i say this a lot i say this so often but it's often because it's true it's not tasting its abv whatsoever no i think with with, with dead chaff i think the yeast when we um selected the yeast we were very picky about which yeast we kept and which we didn't and then from that uh, this particular beer is quite heavily hopped so it's kept the sourness down as well so it's it's quite a mellow it's got mellow levels of funk um and we just thought for the sort of first beer branded up for the the Amsterdam barrel farm we thought it was a sort of perfect starting point um, what we've done since then that we've filled the barrels is we've had it got a bit more um, different varieties in. We and then and then we're going to start doing some more interesting things in October. We took a barrel or two barrels that we had of a, a sort of quite a, a basic saison beer we'd put in to, to age and to use in blending, but we took it out of the barrels and we put it onto Bacchus skins from the vineyard, and we did that literally as the, they emptied their press, we took the skins, carried them 20 meters across the yard, put them into our blending tank and pumped over 400 liters of, of mixed firm Saison and then left that in the blending tank for a few months. And that's been packaged and we're taking that to the Little, little Earth Bo Project um, Wild Beer Festival this weekend, which I know will be after this or before this podcast goes out. <laughs> That's the yeah. first pour, pour of it, but that will be coming out in, um, we've got that in 750 bottles and that is really different to this. The, uh, we used a, a low level of hopping in the in the, that saison, so we've got a little bit more um, tartness to it and then combined with um, the skins of the, the grape, it's really showing its sort of elderflowery, um, gooseberry flavours. Mm. So... We're going to try and do that every year. We've got a bit of an agreement. The vineyard are great and they let us harass them for for great <laughs> skins and various other things. Um, but we're going to try and do that every year because it's it, it does make a unique beer. But we've we've then started filling some of the barrels with a red, um, a red ale blend. So I think like a Flanders red. That's only been in the barrels for a few months now, but that's starting to taste pretty good. And the plan with that is to... Um, try and get three or four years worth of barrels so we can start blending back right consistent beer at the same time we've started fruiting some of our barrels um of of a sort of basic saison and again we're just trying to build stocks up so we've got the the levels of of beers so we can start blending into into products yeah oh something to look forward to in the, in the coming years then yeah definitely we're really pleased with it and as i said it's a bit of a, a passion project for 
keep everybody interested at the brewery and it's we're very lucky that we've got the space to do it so mm. um yeah we're gonna keep doing it as, as long as we can it is sometimes quite hard to fit in the time um time for it being it's about 20 30 minutes away from our current site so sometimes it <laughs> it can feel like we've got too much going on but um hopefully once we sort of get this year out of the way and and upgrade our, our brewing kit we get a bit more time it's something we want to put a bit more time into Mm. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, talk a bit about your kit, actually, because uh, I read that you designed it yourself. And one of the things you did was uh, make sure that the hot liquor tank and the mash tun were both oversized. So can you explain to me why you did that and what it enables you to do? Yeah, so when we started looking at briquettes, we very quickly discovered that particularly back in 2016 the sort of standard um kits were designed to make sort of three, your sort of three and a half percent bitters up to maybe maybe four and a half five percent if you were going dangerously high abv <laughs> yeah so what we did when we placed our order is we we upset upsized so we upsized the brew kit by i think 30 or 40 percent so we, we end up with a 14 i think well we can use about 1400 liters in our mash tun it should be a little more but if you want to actually be able to sparge it you need you need a bit of headspace mm. uh, and that basically allows us we can get about an eight eight to nine percent beer out of it with at full batch and without having to use sugars obviously if we want to drop the the volume a little bit and use sugars we've got up to about 11 percent out of it but it means we don't have to um double mash or worry about um bad um bad runoff bad sparges by by overfitting it and then with the, the hot liquor tank right from the start we upsized it planning on the fact that at one point we would want to double brew out of the kit we didn't want to limit ourselves on size so we've got a 10 hectoliter or, or a thousand liter brew kit or six brewers barrels if you're old school and we can brew up to about a five percent beer we can get two batches in a day relatively easily so we designed that liquor tank so we could take the first mash and first sparge, but then also the second mash out of it before we run out of water. Yeah. And then we can use recycled water for the second, um, the second sparge. It means we can go one after the other. And we still, I mean, next week we've got two days of double batching in a, in a day and we can do it in around 11 hours to 12 hours with our current setup. So right from the start, we, we had we started thinking about it we we didn't want to very quickly outgrow the brew kit and if we couldn't do that we would have had to replace the the brew kit two maybe even three years ago we started with two fermenters and a bright tank two 10 hectoliter fermenters but we now have a 3000 or three thirty hectoliter 3000 liter fermenter four i think four yeah four 2000 liter fermenters and four 1000 liter fermenters and the bright tank so a lot of our brewing is into double double tanks or even treble tanks yeah um but we we are sort of maxed out now so the plan at the moment and we've just started opening dialogue with, with manufacturers is to put in a 20 hectoliter so basically double the size of our brew kit but a more modern steam powered um brew kit that has mash rakes and and some stuff to help us ease the workload on the brewers but also allow us to to max out the space we, we're now in yeah okay so that's uh that'll be within the next uh, year or so do you think yeah we're hoping that we'll get the kit before christmas really 
we like doing things ourselves. I've got I work for a civil engineering firm and having grown up on a farm with my dad, we're quite hands on. So we'll do a lot of the work ourselves. We've also got a fantastic um, company near us for who do welding. So whilst we'll get the kit in, we will do some of the install ourselves. But we're hoping that by the, the new year, we should have it up and running. We, yeah, we're just at the point where we can't it's, we can't physically keep brewing more beer on our kit because we haven't got enough time in the day. Yeah. So I think we, we're six back six batches next week on it, and it's uh keeps everybody busy. <laughs> so a lot of putting out mass tons and yeah, um, it's electric powered at the moment with elements, and that's great. But you've you, you know it works fine. We make good beer on it. But it's very labour intensive to clean it afterwards, particularly with elements. You've just got to keep them absolutely spotless, so inside and, and scrub. So getting to the point where we can sip it, fully sip a, a bouquet is is going to make a world of difference and really um, improve our, our brewery team's um, enjoyment of a brew day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we look forward to, to that. Um, I also noticed that you've got something that sounds very intriguing. Um, so maybe you can explain what this does. Uh, a reverse osmosis system. Yeah, so basically that's a fancy water filter. <laughs> to cut it down. Where, where we are in, in the world, we've got ridiculously high, um, high levels of water hardness to the point where when I used to homebrew and I, used to, I brought a water, quite a basic, but a water testing kit and... It, I thought it was broken because I couldn't get the reagent to work. And on speaking to the company supplied it, they decided that my water was so hard that it couldn't possibly measure it. So they had to send me uh, different things, different chemicals and different tables so we could work out the hardness. Wow. Um, so obviously that brings its challenges to brewing. Basically, if you if I wanted to use our, our water, it comes out of the ground, tastes great to drink, but said not great for brewing. Imperial stouts would be fine, but anything else and it, it's a bit tricky so from my later days homebrewing and then right from the start of the brewery we've committed to using reverse osmosis water so we, we start with pure water when we started the brewery we had a very small system that was designed for a coffee shop which trickle fed into a IBC and it used to take about two or three days to fill, fill up enough water to brew with but we were brewing once a week max mostly once every other week so that was fine um, as we got bigger, we put a, another system in, which still filled up IBCs to sort of stockpile pure water, but um, still would take, I don't know, I can't remember how, it used to take overnight to do a thousand litres. And now we've got um, a much more modern 500 litres an hour system, which gives us 99.7% pure water. And we, so, so basically what we do is we have a, a water recipe for every beer. So it gives us um, a blank canvas where you can create any water profile we like and we can tweak it, um, tweak it a lot. And it's something, it's, it's still the one, I say it's probably the main thing in the brewery that I still do the majority of with my brewery team. That they're still, they're pretty good at doing the recipes, but the water side is something I've done for quite a few years. So keep on top of, and it really does make a difference. It allows us to make the sort of wide range of styles we do. We, we brew everything from light lagers up to, dark beers to mix firm to to mm. everything and, and if we didn't have that control over the water i just don't think they would taste the same well that's a great system to have as you say you know if you've got such incredibly hard water um then you know short of being damien emperors um <laughs> who just would would be happy <laughs> only with that hard water 
then obviously you, you do need something. So that's great. Um, this mixed firm beer, by the way, uh, it's gone down so much easier than and quicker than I thought it would. Um, and I think you're, you're right in what you're saying that it's um, it doesn't have the the kind of elevated levels of of um, sourness, funkiness um, that a lot of saisons do. Um, and I think that when you're drinking those kind of saisons that are, are a, lot, a lot tartar, then it's it's takes a while to, to get through them. But this one is, you know, ju just has that subtleness to it. And it's just going down really, really, really well. I'm just on, on the last sip of it now. Really, really enjoyed this one. Oh, thank you very much. Now, it is something we've we definitely tried with this beer um deliberately to keep it like that some as i said some of the stuff we've now got in barrels we've we've all, almost deliberately gone the other way so we've got a, a flanders red uh, style beer that we we brewed earlier in the spring and that we've deliberately kept very low amounts of hopping with with old hops and we're trying to encourage a bit more lactobacillus so a bit more sourness and um elevate levels the sort of levels of funkiness and we've stressed the yeast a little bit more yeah. try and create create that extra extra bits um, so yeah, it's something something we thought about. We we hope it's a good sort of introduction to people, particularly around this and in our tap room who come in our tap room, try and help um, get them to experience a bit of mixed fermentation beer, so that as we sort of grow our own range, they come along for the ride with us, I suppose. Yeah, and I suppose if they're used to Green King and Adnams beers, then this is a a bit of a leap for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's I think. As a whole, that was something when we started the brewery, we we did struggle with a bit. We we used to do events and people would come and ask us if we had a had a bitter like sat like Adnams bitter or we did a few events. Um, we did some events with the vineyard where we ran a joint bar and often people would turn up. This was at the brewery and the vineyard would turn up and ask us for a pint of Adnams, South World, and then and then be amazed that we didn't stock it, or even better, be amazed that we didn't make it, make Adnams, or make we've been asked why don't we make Guinness. We, really? we, actually, we might take a bit of fun to that if we started producing Guinness and yeah. badging it up. But, um, you know, in, in the five years we've been going, I think we're, we've sort of kept with um, our own beliefs on, on what we want to make and how we make it. And we do make, we make a bitter. We make a bit of our pub. We make various um, beers that um, we see as gateway beers, but we still make them to our our high standards of production we still make them the same way we still start with um pure water we've thought about how we're gonna you know create the water profile for it we've thought about how we can utilize the awesome malting barley we get from our, our region and not just you know use it use cheap malt or, or make it to a cost and we think about um how we can hop it and how we can um take a bit more time conditioning it etc to, to get something that is a, a premium product yeah this is exactly the the reason that i love craft beer is that you know it's yes of course craft breweries are businesses and you know you, you are trying to make money and make a living but there are no corners cut you know the ingredients are that you source as you say are, are the best and love and care and attention is put into uh, into brewing all the beers and you know, I hear some people moan about the price of some craft beers, but I don't think they get it. I don't think they understand. But that's the reason that it costs uh, what it costs, and, and it, that it doesn't cost the same as a, a Carling or a, or a Grolsch or whatever, is because 
it's chalk and cheese. It's, you know, that they're produced cheaply and absolutely on mass. And, you know, your, your beers are produced and, you know, your fellow craft breweries beers are produced with care and, you know, the best ingredients and on a smaller scale. So it's always going to be more expensive. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the, the big thing you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there with is it's a time that goes into the beer. Um, if you look at commercial or commercial macro breweries, the, the time they take to produce a lager, for example, is probably less time than it takes us to, to get a cask only beer out. Mm. I mean, we still we still allow two weeks for that. Ten, ten is days in the tank. Um, plus a little bit extra and then and then on top of that we'll keep it for a week to condition and if we, we don't let any casts out unless they're they're ready to go and then uh probably our best selling beer this year is failed which is a four percent hell style lager and we are cannot make enough of that beer but you know it takes five weeks in a tank for us to make make a lager so and 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 yet people expect to pay cheap cheap money it's a lager they'll pay cheap money but we put you know it's man, got mandarina and tetanang hops in it it's got um top quality lager malt from simpsons in it yeah we do have, constantly have that battle on price we do try and you know we, we are very aware that um beer is for everybody i certainly think beer is for everybody and we do try and make sure we have beers in our range and particularly at the tap room that um are affordable to to everybody so we do work quite hard on that um but but likewise you know ultimately the beer's got to be good it's got to, got to drink good it's got to taste good um people have got to enjoy it yeah absolutely spot on that is that is exactly it it's so it's it's making sure that it you know i i, I really honestly I've, I've had this conversation with some people that are, that are sort of macro lager drinkers and I've, I've tried to kind of push them down a certain route to admit that, that, that what they're drinking doesn't have the, the same kind of flavor. Uh, but some of them are steadfast. They're like, no, 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 it tastes gorgeous. It's really lovely. And you think, is it just that they've not had the other beers to, to really compare and say, oh, actually, no, now I'm tasting this. You, you're right, this has much more flavor. Or are their palates just completely you know, shots of shit and, to, and that they don't really even be able to, and they're not even able to discern um, that, that sort of extra flavor that is, that is in a craft beer. It's, it just, it, it's one of those things that I've got to a point now where I, I don't even bother. If no, I think not up for it and they're not up for it. No, you can't win them all. And there's, there's some people who, who you're never going to um, appreciate the sort of beers we do. And, and sometimes we do just have to hold our hands up and go, well, we tried, but, yeah. you know and that's and that's a joy of beer you know there is a beer for everybody and, and for some people that beer is is heineken or carlin or fosters or what whatever it is and 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 you've just got to accept it and that's fine but there are equally a, a large number of people and we, this is something we've, we've really found when we moved sites um we ne we've never sold anything into this before we moved the brewery there it's, it's got very good rail connections from um, london all the way through essex and and Suffolk, and also a very quick train from norwich so we sort of expected our tap room to be full of people sort of traveling in for the beer but within a couple of months and, and thanks to craig and Stu who set the tap room up and then the guys who've worked there we've now got i think 80 90 percent of our customers are locals and wow. a lot of those have had never had the sort of beer we we make before and a lot of yes a lot of them still drink failed our lager or drink our 
our bitter but equally a lot of those who maybe six months ago started on that are now drinking jive that we started off with or are drinking um some of our unfiltered um or stronger lagers um we do all sorts of beers and, and people are, are starting to migrate across that uh, and we see that from the, the sort of variety of beer we sell and it's it's really surprised us but it's also um it also makes me really happy because it means we've we're doing our job and we're getting people to drink better beer yeah absolutely absolutely uh so okay we're now delving into torpor and i'm loving this i love dark beers um and i've also recently not well i wouldn't say recently but over the last few years um i have got much more into lager again mainly because a lot of craft brewers are producing some absolutely awesome lagers um but i must admit that i wasn't wasn't very long ago that um, I found out for the first time or, or either realised or was informed, I can't even remember, uh, that a Baltic porter is actually a lager style. I think maybe the porter element to it kind yeah. of had me thinking porter, it's a porter, but a Baltic porter is, is a lager style. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm relatively new to that information, but I'm loving this and it's just beautiful looking beer. I'm just going to take the obligatory uh, social media photo of it um, and then delve in. But tell me a little bit about Torpor. So we've made um, Torpor a few times before. Um, and it's, as you said, it's a it's a Baltic Porter, which is a style of lager. And like you, I absolutely adore dark beers. I also love lagers and I've, I've always I always made them as a home brewer when we started the brewery I decided we weren't going to make lagers because holding up the tanks was going to be too expensive and too time consuming but we changed our mind um in 2018 I think or 2019 can't remember when and started brewing and, and since then we've, we've brewed a wide range of lagers everybody at the brewery um Adam who was our first employee loved lagers um so we do focus a bit on them but with Torpa basically we wanted to brew it and couldn't work out how we were going to fit it in and still get the tanks back with how much of our, our core lagers we were making. So um, Craig, who does all our business development, came up with the idea that why didn't we lager it in oak barrels? And we happened to have, have some old whiskey barrels that we'd done our annual um, whiskey imperial stout in that we were deciding whether we were going to do take them to the, the barrel farm and do some mixed firm in them or turn them into furniture or, or do something with them. And we thought, you know what, let's we'll give it, we'll give it a go. If it's terrible, we've we've learned a lesson. We could always um, you know, do do something different with it. So we basically we brewed um Torpor as we've done it previously, and then we filled four of these barrels that had had um, our Imperial Stout in and put them in the cold store and left them alone and just let just just left them to, to tick along sealed them up and left them we we actually ended up wrapping them in pallet wrap a bit to stop any leaks or anything to keep everything clean and um yeah came up with with torpor and craig called it oak lagered i don't know if that's a technical term or not but we're lagered in in whiskey barrels and we i was a bit um i wasn't 100 percent sure if it was a right if it was going to give us something that was going to be any different maybe than what we've done or, or was going to complement it but actually when after a couple of months no, no one dared drink it and about two months in we started taking samples out of the barrels just to check everything was healthy ph look at yeast etc 
Um, we just were a bit like, wow, this is actually actually really good. And then it was a bit of a game of how long do we dare leave it? Um, and how long um, do we want to leave it before we want to drink it? So, yeah, packaged it up, popped it into cans, and it's um, it's pretty tasty, and it's a bit of a firm favourite with all the guys at, and, and girls at the brewery. Uh, well, count me in on that. Uh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely, really, really loving this one. Mm. Um, you mentioned uh, before we opened that, uh, the, you mentioned the tap room and, you know, about the, the amount of locals that you get. Because, you know, we're used to so many tap rooms being in uh, industrial estates or railway arches. Your place is really easy for, for people that visit the town of Dis. Yeah, um, we, we are on the outskirts, but there is, this is, it's, it's got a main road that runs through it and we're, we're on the east end, east end side of the town, but that happens to be where the five minute walk from the train station. It's also um, just off the sort of main um, distributor roads that run, run through. So we're good for that in that respect, but this isn't huge and town is still only half a mile away and it's very easy to walk to. Or right to we're also half the population of this are on our side of, of the sort of town center and we are the only licensed trade premises on that side so we have actually become quite a few people's local um, local establishment um, and we we do pick up some of the other villages it's quite nice it's about a five mile bike ride from from our house so for us it's it's nice we can it's a bit closer than the, the farm is and it's an, it's a nice ride so so we use it um quite a bit uh, but yeah, it's when we moved brewery site, having a tap room was, was always part of it. Is it? It's a well-established way of increasing um, income to a brewery, and but also it's something I think being able to sell your beer direct to people and to show it in its best light, and also to get feedback and to help educate people. I think it's it, that's a really interesting part of the brewery for for Amy and myself. We we both really enjoy that. So. When we found um, this location, it, it did tick a, a lot of boxes, and Amy put a lot into making it a bit more, and I'd describe it as a, a more American style tap room. So it is a dedicated tap room space. At the farm, we used to open on a, on a Friday and Saturday, and it was sweet. You know, wash the floors down, chuck um, tables up over the drains. We had a, a bar, but it wasn't really accessible in the corner. We used to actually bring beers out to people. You know what that was a you were you were in a, a working brewery crammed in in the cold this is there is a dedicated part of the brewery to the tap room a, a dedicated bar we can open on a friday afternoon while we're still brewing we still do spill out onto the brewery floor when we're busy and when the weather's not good but you know it's that having that dedicated space i think it it's a bit more approachable for people who, who don't want to go sit in a cold brewery you can treat it a bit more more like a pub i suppose and some people do we do have some heated areas and we can we can take the chill off the whole building as a whole. Um, but we do have a, a couple of spaces we can we can get warm in the winter. Uh, we do still get the odd people who turn up and go, this would be lovely if you got rid of the tanks and <laughs> and uh, you cut rid of the tanks and put carpets down. We've had a few people say that to us, which would, uh, would be missing the point. They're missing the point entirely, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. Get rid but, of the tanks. You wouldn't even have the place, but there you go. Exactly. But, you know, it was, it, we, we really wanted to make it somewhere different, particularly for our area. There are, there's some great breweries around us and some great breweries who open their doors, but no one's really got a space um, like we've done there. And it, it did take 
a bit of effort to get it right, but we've got a great team of people running it who are really passionate about beer and really good with with the customers. And it, it seems to have become a bit of a destination for, for local people. So our sort of plan for this summer is really to try and um, get some people a little further away down to it and, and just keep it growing, really. You mentioned it being like a pub, but you've got a pub as well, haven't you? Yeah, so uh, this was um, also this was this was pretty bad timing, but in, <laughs> we took took over the cap in in Halston's. Halston's a little um, another Waveney Valley town, about um, ten miles away from from the brewery. So it actually sits directly in between the original farm and the new brewery site. A small, a lovely small town, very independent. Um, and we took over the cap. Adams were selling it, and we we took it over. Again, by the time we got the keys, it was January 2020. We had to completely gut it and rebuild it, rebuild the cellar. Um, and again, um, family and friends really came to our rescue and helped us. And we were dead on for opening it at Easter weekend 2020. All good to go, staff in place and, and COVID hit. So mm. that was, uh, we had a an interesting few weeks when that happened, working out how we were going to um, pay all the bills and, and keep everything going but we managed to open get permission to open it for takeaway and we had a there's a nice outside space and we actually set an outside collection point up and it was it was actually useful for the breweries it helped us shift a lot of cask and keg beer that we'd, we'd sort of brewed for the opening of this pub and for other pubs and we managed to to sell that and it and it also allowed us to have a bit of a soft launch and introduce ourselves to people in the town and, and whilst the brewery wasn't far from the town a lot of people just didn't know who we were or, or that we existed or or even that we were local and not from somewhere some other part of the country yeah. so you know it, it went well and we, it's, it's not been an easy last couple of years because we don't well touch wood we now are back open and not going to be closed but a lot of open and closed has, has not been easy particularly as a new pub in, in a small town but um we've got a, a lady called Yvette who runs it for us and she took over running the pub earlier this year and she's doing a phenomenal job and we're really focusing on making it a community pub and whilst it does sell you know it's got 12 keg lines and three cast lines of, of our beer predominantly um, again we've got beer for everybody we've made sure it's priced suitably so it is is the equivalent of a you know a, a local pub and they're doing a great job of of getting the community involved and making it a, a space where you know, people can come and enjoy good beer and, and it's, but it still is, it still has the essence of a, a local pub. Mm. So, I mean, how different is it to run a, a tap room to a, to a pub? Um, there, there are a lot of similarities in terms of, you know, the quality of your product has got to be, got to be right. Um, and, you know, you're still dealing with the, the licensed trade, but then I think equally, there's definitely a difference in what people expect from a pub and what people expect from a tap room. And I think we've been with, with what we've done with our tap room, we actually, I think we over, people come in expecting a brewery and, and you know, we, we are a dedicated space, but people go into a pub and they, you know, some people like pubs to be, they want them to be a boozer. You know, they want to go in and it's an uncomplicated, they don't have to think too much about what they order. They order the same thing every time they go in. You know, I have two two pints of bitter peas, and and my newspaper. Whereas a tap room, you get a lot more people who come in there. But you know, there still is this people who want to go and have their usual and have a space. But you equally get a lot more people who want to come there and they want to have a nosy round. They want to try flights of beers or they want to try something different. Um, 
but and then the, the thing we've really noticed as well is that um people it's a time of day people drink so in the tap room we get a lot more people early on we get a lot of families um people treat it as a day out and then you know maybe early evening disappear off whereas a pub we we do get that as well but we usually get a lot of people who it is a after dinner they go down the pub for a few pints or if there's a band on they'll they'll, they'll come home from work have their have their dinner and, and then head out for for an evening with a band on at the pub so there definitely is is differences um but it, you know for us it's it's about having an outlet for the beer it's also about making sure there is a pub still in that building that premises is very important it's um it's our one of our local towns yeah so um so yeah it's uh it's not been an easy couple of years if um, <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully it will um, even itself out yeah well i mean the fact is you're still here and you know these you the brewery the pub everything's still running it sounds like you're doing fantastically as well given that you you're having to to upscale the the kit so yeah a tough couple of years but a couple of years that you've uh that you've managed to get through and, and get through well so you know that's uh, a testament to yourself and your team that you've done such a great job yeah i think Covid particularly made myself and Amy. We had to really think outside the box a little bit and um, react quickly, and and maybe do things that, that that weren't in our business plan when we had our, our sort of year planning meet at the start of the year. We we didn't envisage what we would have to do in 2020 and, and right through to last year. Um, but equally, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned a lot about the business. We've continued to grow, and we've continued to to get really good people into the brewing and and that's something we really try to do is is to employ the right people who have a similar ethos to us and and we're so lucky we went um i think our first employee adam um joined us in 2019 and and he's now gone off to to teach and do something different but in the meantime we've got you know we've got craig who came in to do our our sales and business development and events and he used to run some incredible pubs and he sort of poacher turned gamekeeper and that works for us and he's you know we've, we've got him involved we've got Stu who has a tap room he's great a vet at the pub uh we've since got uh Pip started working for us as a brewer who's come from Thornbridge uh and Blue Monkey so he's got some great pedigree and he's um you know he's absolutely fantastic and his his knowledge is insane we've got a young lad called Ben who started as an apprentice brewer and he's just full of energy and you know really keen and, and it's those people that make the business and we sort of stuck with everybody through lockdown and, and still hit our growth targets and um yeah onwards onwards and upwards yeah well I mean, it's it's amazing that you know the job that everybody's done is uh, is incredible well done i want to go on to a little bit about collaborations because um i had uh, an episode um several episodes ago where i actually went down to bermondsey to the Three Hills Brewery Outpost um, and helped, and I use the word helped in the loosest <laughs> possible sense of the word, uh, with um, a collaboration brew between Three Hills and Emperor's Brewery. Um, but you guys, you've done collaborations with both because um, you had Execute Order 66 with Emperor's, which I had, by the way, and I loved it. Really good, really Thank good, you. yeah. Um, and with Three Hills, you've just come out with um, Zestland, which you've kindly sent me as well, that I'll have another day, um, a Matoika and Lime Light Lager. So 
I mean, with, when it comes to collaborations, um, what do you get from a collaboration when, when somebody comes to you and says, you know, shall we get together? Shall we, shall we do a beer? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think um, we, we've not done heaps of collaborations. I think we were, when we started part-time, it's difficult to do collaborations and um, we've always been, you know, we've always found it a little difficult, but I think recently we've tried to do a few more and we got involved in Collabageddon as well with, um, with Elusive, which was fantastic. But I think for us, there's got to, you've got to get something out of a collaboration. Um, otherwise, why are you doing it? You could just make a beer any, anyway. Yeah. It sounds a little simplistic, <laughs> but, and that could just be, you know, getting something out of it could just be having a good time and, and enjoying another brewery's company or, or going and, and, you know, seeing another brewery's site. But then equally, I think, the collaborations we've done, I've always felt like we've, we've learned something and it might be we've learned how they undertake a particular process, how they use a particular ingredient, how, how they do stuff differently to us. Uh, and likewise, we hope other breweries take, take a similar thing away, away from us and maybe look at how we do things and, and learn from it. And I think what that, what that does is it hopefully helps you improve as a brewery and, and, and understand different things and, and also widen experiences so it, it's definitely something we, we're keen to do more of um yeah i mean damien's a, a good example we we met met him at a, a beer festival a few years ago and persuaded him to come to the old brewery so we've, we've done two collaborations with damien and he really pushed us to push our kit and make it make beer as strong as possible but <laughs> equally you know as part of that it wasn't just let's make a really strong beer we really thought about um that the first bit we did was a, a coffee was a mockalorian which was a coffee and chocolate imperial stout so it was really looking at using malt and sugars to pack in as much coffee and chocolate flavor and, and damien's got so much experience in in big beers and, and how to do that and blending you know what ratio of pale chocolate malt are we going to use to chocolate malt are we going to use the brown malt to get those flavors and and so it's everything from from that through to um, yeah, Free Hills doing a light lager. It was looking at how we how we're going to get, um, you know, use we use lime zest in it as well as uh, Motueka. We'd we'd never used Motueka before, so it was speaking to Free Hills about, you know, what we can expect from that. When's the best time to hop with it? So yeah, we we do. It's it's you've got to get something out of it, but equally, it's, it's quite nice sometimes to spend time with other breweries and not just be. Um, a production line for beer stop and think enjoy yourself have a nice barbecue for lunch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whiskey and work if it's damien oh whiskey and work yeah, yeah that was that was uh that was a tradition that i uh i was uh, gladly <laughs> a participant in um down at uh, down at bermondsey for sure whiskey and work was was interesting <laughs> okay um i mean do, do you have a dream collab that you'd uh, that you'd really love to do uh, i don't I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to do. I, I've, there's a lot of breweries in the UK that are fantastic, and and you know, we could do a lot of them. Someone like Burning Sky would be great. I really like. I look at that as a brewery, and, and I can see Ampersand sort of. That's that's where I'd like them to go to. You know, a very underrated brewery, an amazing brewery, and that don't seem to get any hype at all. But all their beers are absolutely fantastic. But no, not. I, I suppose you know, someone like that. I, I think there's there's plenty of other. You know, other good breweries. 
around that we would we would do. But I think um, no, I think yeah, we're we're open to open to offers from anybody really. I, I <laughs> still yet to do a collaboration with with Andy from Elusive. We talked about it in 2020, and then COVID happened. It never never happened, and so he's definitely someone I really want to do a beer with. Um, but no, we we're yeah we're open to offers, and if if we can fit people in, it is good. Right. Um, so any brewers listening, yeah, send your offers in uh, to to Andy and Andy Parker if you're listening to, and uh, Andy's going to be on the next episode. So, uh, yeah, there so we go. If he's, if he's listening, uh, then there you go. You can uh, you can send your offer in. Um, uh, now, I was looking around your socials and I noticed that you've got uh, a competition running on Insta at the moment. Uh, it closes next Monday, the 18th of July. So if you're listening to the podcast on the day of release or a few days after, you've not got much time to get your uh, your entry in. But you're doing a new beer. It's a raspberry, blackcurrant and tayberry gosa. We'll come back to tayberry in a minute because I've never heard of that berry. <laughs> Um, and the competition is to name the beer, and uh, the winner gets uh, a twelve pack of the beer and lots of uh, ampersand merch. So that sounds sounds great. What, uh, have you had some good good uh, answers we've, we've in so a, far? Some good suggestions in? We've had a lot of puns. <laughs> a lot of puns. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt. It. That's where people go to straight away when thinking of a beer name. The, the the first call, the first portal call, is a pun, isn't it? Yeah, is that if we were Brew York, we'd be sorted. We could, <laughs> yeah, hands straight on again. Uh, no, there's been some, been some, been some good ones. We've, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll wait until we get everything in into the side. It's, I did want, I did want Craig when he suggested it that we were, it was going to be interesting <laughs> to find, yeah, find some, but yeah, I think there's been a couple of, there's, there's definitely two or three in there that are, that are uh, on the short list. I won't say what they are we're keeping that place but we did keep, go through a yeah today. Keep, keep them close to your chest absolutely but you've got a few i mean i i did actually read through some of the answers uh on the or some of the the, the, the comments on the instagram page uh, I, again i won't i won't mention them but there were a few that made me chuckle uh, to be to be fair so um i don't <laughs> i don't envy you <laughs> going through all <laughs> of the entries um so so if anybody listening um thinks that they can uh, Give a good name to a raspberry, blackberry, oh no, sorry, a raspberry, right. blackcurrant, and tabery goza. Um, then get your in, get your answer in or your submission in. Um, is it Instagram or Twitter and, and Twitter? Or uh, just- yeah, well, Instagram, Facebook. I don't think actually, I don't know if it's appeared on Twitter yet because my job and I haven't done it. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, just, just yeah, you just, can tweet me or DM me or email, just, and anyway, exactly. again, then if it's good, just drop us a drop us a name. Yeah. Ring the brewery up if you want to leave an answer message, and someone will get it. Yeah, so <laughs> get in touch with Ampersand in any way you feel fit before the 18th of July, and yeah. then that's going to be judged on that day. Uh, so I look forward to seeing what that is. I'm not even going to come up with any suggestions. I have a, a terrible record of offering um, names to beers. Uh, you mentioned Brew York a moment ago. Uh, you know, I've I've met, I've I've suggested a few names to Brew York that I thought were awesome, and they've not taken them. So there you go. I have listened to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put myself through that uh, that you know the the hurt <laughs> that uh, that I felt. No, I'm joking. Um, so I've got to come back to Tabery. What is a Tabery? 
Right. Well, we'll see if I get this right. It's uh, it's a Scottish fruit. So that these fruits all came from Scotland, and it is a little, or it's like a raspberry, but it's not quite as sharp. A little bit fruitier, and we just used it in to basically try and mellow out and give a little bit, a little bit different dimension to raspberry. I mean, just a straight up. We've done straight up raspberry beers before. Great fruit, but we wanted to do something a little different. Um, so yeah, we we blended together. Uh, when we took some samples out of the fruit, it's quite interesting. We pH'd all the fruits, and the, you know, the black currant is sour you get a real sour hit from it yeah um, raspberry sits somewhere in the middle and tabries you know it's not it's not a super sour sour fruit but it still has all that that flavor and and sugar so, so it kind of really, balance each other out a bit then maybe yeah just trying to get that that blend and, and we were just going to do raspberry and and that current and we talked about possibly using a bit of red current in there but then we sort of saw the tabry with i've had tabries before and we thought you know what we'll get some we'll have a taste of it and then we'll 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 see what we do, but it yeah, it seems to be working well. That's it's fermenting in the in the tank as we speak and tasting pretty pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's once we get a name for it, we can uh, and, and get it out. Fantastic. Okay, so get your name ideas in to ampersand socials before the eighteenth of July, um, and you could win a twelve pack. Excellent. Uh, right. Okay. So. Uh, I've got a question to pose to you from the uh, the last guest. Now, the last guest, the last episode was my fiftieth episode, um, and so there was a lot of guests. But the question asking uh, honors fell to Lewis from Bruiser. If they had to make a drink that's not beer, what would they make and why? Whew. That's a good one. I reckon. I think um, yeah, we've we've talked to it. We often get asked about making other things. Mm. at gin predominantly which oh yeah yeah why don't you just start a distillery at the same same time because <laughs> gin? Because it's I, that easy really isn't it just to yeah, start exactly. up a distillery yeah i think um but i think just going down that route i think a, a drink i've always enjoyed and, and very interested in probably would be whiskey and from a very early age i was i was got into whiskey i've traveled around i let all the distilleries tasted them and, and don't really drink too much of it anymore but I think I love the um, the sort of almost the mystique that goes with whiskey and uh, these huge bonded warehouses that are rammed full of barrels. And if you ever go um, to some of the older distilleries in Scotland and it's, you know, you go and have a look in and there's the history of some of the barrels in there can be 40, 50, 60 years old. I, I find that absolutely fantastic. Um, I think, you know, it's something that, yeah, it really appeals to me and intrigues me. Um, I wouldn't know where to start making whiskey, <laughs> um, still, I suppose, and some barrels. But um, no, definitely, I think for for a drink that I, I enjoy drinking, but I, I, yeah, I think it's just around that um, the sort of mystique around whiskey, I suppose. And the you know, there's a lot of um, you know legends and and stories. And you meet if you do go around distilleries and you meet some of the locals and and what their local distillery means to them, and, and a lot of them are either directly or indirectly employed by the breweries whether they're electricians or or, or actually work at the breweries or, or drivers etc it it's just it fascinates me so yeah if i make another drink i'd probably go to isla and and make whiskey okay okay nice answer and don't forget that if you did that you'd have your own whiskey to provide 
to uh, to Damien for the whiskey and what? Whiskey and what? Yeah, just to it, would, it, would, it wouldn't have to bring Eddie Glenfiddich or uh, or whatever in. Lagavulin, I think he's done. Did he look Lagavulin? Right, yeah, Lagavulin for, for the last one. I can't think the first one. What he did. <laughs> something i think it was quite an expensive one it was very nice yeah it was it was glenfiddich um 12 year uh when when we were bermondsey but in fairness he had to pop out to the local shop to get it so it was probably a case of, uh, <laughs> it's, a case, it's a case of a case of what they had i mean not a bad choice but um but but uh, yeah that that was the whiskey of choice for uh, for that whiskey and work okay excellent so whiskey would be would be the drink that you'd uh, that you'd start up on the side if you if you had the uh, if you had to make another drink, yeah, right? If I had to. Okay, so I'd like you to then pose a question to the next guest. Now, the next episode, so you're kind of you're kind of a sat you're you're the filling of a sandwich, okay? Because <laughs> the the last episode was my fiftieth, and the next episode is the second birthday episode. Uh, so, can you give me an, a question? I'm going to put it to two guests. That I've got on the next episode. Um, so the same question to two guests. What what do you want me to ask them? So having a little bit of a think about this the last few few days. I didn't know it was going to be Andy or next, but <laughs> and stick with do, it do you want me to give you a bit of a, a, a heads up as to who the other one is as well? Here, go for it. I'm not going to. I won't uh, change my question, but <laughs> it's Miranda and Bates from Duration. Oh, brilliant neighbours! Well, they're <laughs> neighbours, but they're the other side of Norfolk. It's a quite a yes. big county. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, there. Well, I well, Bates is going to enjoy this one then. So, <laughs> my question is for them: is if they had, um, if they could, which beer style would they eradicate from history? <laughs> Ooh. Okay. That's. that's... That's going to come up with some controversial answers, I can tell. Uh, I think so. Which beer style would they eradicate? Not just, not just kind of retire. Yeah, not just retire, eradicate from literally, history. Never, never literally, literally wipe out of history. Wipe out. You know what? I, I'm, I'm really glad you ask a question like that because on your website, I noticed that you, uh, when you, I, th- I can't remember which page it is now, but I think you're interviewed or something like that, and you're asked what your favourite beer is. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's your favourite ampersand beer, and you say it's a brew IPA. Now, yeah. brew IPA is a style that I think a lot of people might actually <laughs> condemn to the uh, to the bin of history. But well, I mean, we had a, we did have a joke what, about this. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> we, we did. Uh, yeah, that was brewed. Actually, Craig, who works for us, it was we brewed it in a collaboration with his pub that he was managing at the time. But we and we've done two brewed IPAs, and we were joking the other day because we sandwiched. We did. Um, we probably were quite a bit ahead of the curve, particularly in this country on brewed IPAs. And then we did a second one, uh, a bit behind the curve, and we were having a laugh about it because the first one we brewed, they, Craig and some of his staff turned up to brew it, and I, um. I went out and I basically ordered in about 12 or 16, I think it was about 16 different brute IPAs. So I was all to drink at the same time and try while we were brewing. Because a lot of them, it was myself and Craig had come up with the idea and, and a lot of his staff had never had one or knew what they were. And we got these 16 brute IPAs in and we, we were halfway through the brew day and I think we found one we liked. Out of <laughs> so, uh, but we, yeah, it's, uh, it probably isn't, that's quite an old, old thing but it was a i can't remember which one i'm gonna have to look on the website but 
It was. Um, <laughs> well, we the, went... fact, the fact that you actually then put this down means that you think you nailed the style. So if you if you tried no, sixteen, you, you only liked one. Then you went and brewed one, and you absolutely nailed it. If if it's something that you yeah, know, it was. It was we <laughs> went, so we went super, super clean and, and, and super dry. And the first one we used lemon verbena in, which um, worked, you know, went really well with it. And then the second one we did with cranberry. And cranberry is also a very dry fruit. And it just it just went, it just worked really well. Just super clean, super dry. It was almost like um, very light malt bill, a lot of rice. I think we used rice in the, in the malt bill. And it was almost like a wine. It just went went that dry, and we we um yeah we really dried it out, and it's just super refreshing. So yeah, I do like it. It's probably not my I don't know if I'd class it as my favourite beer now that we've done, but it's still I still have very fond memories of it. And we I actually aged um aged a, a whole case of the bottles, and once it had an extra extra year year and a half, it was it was it was even better. It lost actually a lot of the fruit disappeared, and it just was incredibly crisp dry beer. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, if that question that you just asked uh, for the next guest was posed to you, what what would you say? Oh, I don't know. I didn't think we'd do that, and <laughs> I should have had a think about it. <laughs> uh, what beer stars? Uh, for probably the triple IPA. Oh, really? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I I don't I don't either agree or disagree with you there. I think you know I've had some I've had some nice I've had some nice tippers, but I'm now I'm now at the point where I just want a a sensible beer, I think is a good word for use. I mean, and and you know, I think dippers can come into that. It depends. I've had some dippers that have been a, a bit excessive as well and a bit and taste a bit too boozy. Maybe they're the ones that are kind of on the upper end of the yeah. ABV scale that, that, you know, they're bordering tippers anyway. Um, and I've had several that are, you know, so well made and, and, you know, going back to that kind of nugget of not tasting the ABV again. Um, but, you know, to have some that are like an eight, eight percent, eight and a half percent dipper that, that you kind of think I'd never, I'd never have guessed it. So I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of, I, I see where you're coming from there. Sometimes a tipper is just a step too far. Yeah, as, a, as a snap snap answer, I hadn't actually thought of my own question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, yeah, I think a lot of the beers I like drinking, and this is just obviously my opinion, is I like beers that are maybe balanced and I like beers to, um, you know, be work, everything in a beer to work together. And I, I suppose tippers are probably the absolute anti of that because they are everything to the max they are you know you've got the you want to have the got to have the booze there they've got to be you know you want a lot of hop in there you've got to be able to really control that beer to 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 get the i i guess the flavors because you've got such a high abv and of course you know i'm saying this but i'm a lover of imperial stouts which you know abv wise mm. are, are, are not too dissimilar from from tippers and in fact actually <laughs> in a lot of cases more but I think it's maybe it's different because it's a different style of beer. You can you can hide it a lot more um, in an imperial stout. But sometimes, you know, I think I've had some tippers where I've thought I'm not really getting the nuances of of, of what they're trying to to give here because 
it gets overpowered by the strength of the beer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that can be it. Or, or the fact there's just too much hops in there. Yeah. And it's it just blows blows everything else out of the water. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. not something not something I go out and I'd go out and buy, I suppose. I can agree with you a little bit on that one. I, I've I've had some tippers that, that in fairness actually have been have been decent, but but overall, yeah, not a bad call. Okay. Fantastic. Excellent. Um listen, Andy, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you. Um I it would be a, a struggle for me to to actually give a, a favourite of the three beers tonight. Um, I think each one really had its its strong points. Um, I think it'd probably be between the um, Torpa um, and the Farmhand. Uh, was it Farmhand? Yeah, Farmhand. Uh, between those two. And actually, I'm quite surprised um, because I love a dark beer that, that Farmhand would, would still come in uh, as a as a kind of rival, um, because I, I, I don't you know I, I drink a, a fair few saisons, but but they're not my favourite style. But that one was, and I think because you as you said it was um, kind of you know lesser on the tart side of things. That one was it just slid down really 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 easily um, to warm evening here where I am, and um, it was. Yeah, it was it was refreshing actually. It was really refreshing. So between those two, I'd, I'd say were my, were my favourites tonight. Well, thank you very much, and um, yeah, thank you for having having me on the podcast. Um, I enjoy listening to it. So so keep up the keep up the good work. Oh well, thank you very much, Andy. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and really, really, um, happy to have you on. Um, and uh, at one point, I will get down. My brother lives not far from you. So I don't have much excuses to uh, to, to not uh, pop down and uh, say hello to uh, to you when I'm, when I'm next visiting my brother. Oh, please do! It'd be great to show you around and um, yeah, come and come and have an afternoon or evening at the tap room, and we'll take you through the beers and take you around the tanks. So yeah, just let us know and and, and come and have a nosy. Sounds awesome, uh, an, an offer I can't refuse to be sure. Excellent. Okay, um, Andy, thank you again so much for your time. All right, thank you, Paul. I really enjoyed that chat with Andy, and there was a lot of great stuff in there, I think. And the beers were great too. That mixed firm Saison definitely surprised me. I didn't think it would go down as smoothly as it did. It was a warm evening when we recorded the podcast. I know we've been having a lot of warm evenings lately and warm days. So it was really refreshing, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was an absolute cracker. Looking forward to trying out the other products of their barrel aging program too. And Torpa, the Baltic Porter that we had last, that was really, really nice too. I do like a good Baltic Porter. I like dark lagers, so enjoyed that one. And Jibe was great too. Okay then, the next episode is another special, as this time it's my second birthday episode. So I did think about whether to celebrate both that and the 50th episode, as was in the last episode as they were so close together. But I thought about it and I thought, yeah, why not? So I'm going to be catching up with two breweries that I've chatted with in the past, two that have big things to discuss. There's Miranda and Bates from Duration, and we'll be talking about their recent crowdfunding and what it will be used for, plus I'm sure a lot more. And also Andy and Ruth from Elusive and we'll be chatting about their recent homebrewing competition 
and maybe get some news about this year's Collabageddon. There will also be one or two more treats to get your ears stuck into. And also, to celebrate the second birthday, Duration have offered up a wonderful prize, a six-pack of their delicious beers and a brewery tour. All you need to do is head over to Twitter or Instagram to the Beer Prime account and like and share the competition post, plus follow both myself and Duration. Then your name will be in the draw, which will take place on Tuesday, 19th of July. Good luck. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for another celebration in two weeks time.